overcoming, outgrowing anxiety isn't as impossible or as hard as you may think. It is something that is absolutely worthwhile to put the energy and the time into it because ultimately your life is waiting for you. Welcome to Get Real with me, Dr. Friedman. If you want to live with greater purpose, authenticity, and empowerment, this is your time to upgrade your belief systems, unlock your true potential, and discover the endless possibilities of you becoming the creator of your life. Hey, Jamil, it's so nice for you to take the time to talk with us about your journey with anxiety and especially from a perspective as a man, how you experienced anxiety, how it was a struggle for you to even ask for help and how you overcame it. So when you think about your anxiety, when did that start? When do you think like was the first inkling that you were dealing with anxiety? Honestly, I've, I've dealt with anxiety my whole life, you know, from I would say from the time I was 11 or 12 years old, it's just constantly been an issue in the, in, the, in the background of my life. But as you know, when I when I started working with you, I had a, a pretty uh, severe breakup. And I think that's when I realized how the anxiety was really taking a toll on my life now and how it was really, you know, more of a problem than I really wanted to to admit. So before, how did you experience anxiety? Was it just uh, sometimes a little uneasiness or did you have night sweats or what What kind of uh, symptoms did you deal with? For me, I think it was um, primarily just like a constant um, undercurrent of uneasiness. And it would get, I think, um, it would intensify a lot in stressful situations or relationships, especially, I would I would feel um, especially anxious, um, almost to the point where I would, it was almost to the point where I would kind of, I was kind of in denial about how anxious it was. It was on a borderline of fear, in, in terms of like relationships and certain things like that. So, um, those are primarily the, the situations where I really felt it the most. And how did you then deal with anxiety? Did you try to push it aside, ignore it? Did you self-medicate? What, what did you do? Did you talk with somebody about the anxiety? Uh, my, my, my way of dealing with it primarily was denial, I think, just not even letting myself admit how terrified I was, just kind of, and then maybe using some bravado or something like that to cover up the anxiety as well as uh, self-medicating, you know, I've, um, I've been probably using substances since I was 15, you know, so, um, and just um, maybe steadily increased over the years, but yeah, I started smoking weed when I was 15 years old and then um, went to college and got introduced to alcohol. So, and, and on top of that, I think work as well was a big, self-medicating thing for me. I worked, I always worked long hours, you know, tough jobs, and that was kind of an escape for me as well. Mm. Yeah. And did you have at home, you know, your family as a resource to talk about your feelings or was that more a taboo? No, that, I mean, we didn't talk about feelings in my house. It was, 
very um it was like a vacuum i would say of emotion it was very any 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 type of emotion on any end of the spectrum was kind of just cut off and we stayed very very surface very in the middle with the exception of maybe anger there was some angry outbursts from people but in terms of just talking about i would say like the soft emotions or complex feelings there really wasn't any type of dialogue so i didn't really learn those skills growing up so you were stuck with your anxiety on your own and i'm sure when you look around you probably knew other friends or even family members that were also anxious and did they do the same thing do you feel like they also just suppressed their emotions didn't want to share them felt like embarrassed about it or what did you see around you well um i have a a family history of alcoholism so that's you know that's how a lot of my family dealt with it and then on the on the flip side of that i have a family history of uh, very religious people and so it was just kind of this like once one one group dealt with it through alcohol the other group dealt with it through just like being very dogmatic and um kind of intellectualizing you know the feelings so those were those were kind of my two mm-hmm. paths mm-hmm. you know growing up but no one really dared to talk about what's going on inside of them it was more like yeah. covering up or escaping what about your peers did you notice anything about your peers being stressed or anxious or having emotional issues they didn't want to share i i think i started i gravitated towards friends who were very much like me who kind of kept their deep feelings to themselves you know when we talk we talk very intellectually or we philosophize philosophize i don't know if that's a word but we talk philosophy a lot um but in terms of like painful feelings or, or, or being vulnerable uh, i never really associated with people who went into those emotions i, I kind of kept the friends who like i said were 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 similar to me in that respect mm-hmm. so what a thing that obviously happened is that you couldn't deal with the suppression anymore and i think you mentioned it came out sideways as anger and you know blaming others or judging others but when you really look at yourself what made you ask for help why did you feel at some point you know what this is too much you know i, I would like to say it was it was one it was pain but two i think it was i started to see how these sideways outbursts and how these dysfunctional um behaviors were affecting other people in my life um and like i said um i had a relationship where i really um got a good reflection of myself in terms of how i how i hurt another person through my actions someone who didn't deserve it and that was a real wake up call to start to you know peel back the layers and you know once i started doing that i saw how this was affecting not just you know my relationships with women but just every every aspect of my life um uh, but yeah it was it was a combination of just um the pain and, and seeing that pain being inflicted on other people was really really the wake up call for me 
to once you saw that someone really was deeply hurt, you thought, okay, I need to change, even though you were really experiencing a lot of pain. I mean, when you think about your pain level, that was maybe even more than what you did to other people. Were you just not so aware of it? Or do you feel like it was something you were used to and so you could handle it? I mean, it's, I, I've always, you know, it's, it's like if you grow up, you know, in a smoke smoker's household, you're just used to smoking. So I just was always used to having pain and, and I wouldn't even call it pain. It was just, that's just my, that was just my reference. You know what I mean? I was just my baseline. So, um, and I could, you know, I could, I wouldn't say deal with a great amount of pain, but I, you know, I was pretty good at, um, keeping things inside and just powering through. So, you know, I just sucked it up. And like I said, everybody in my family did the same thing. So it was never really an expectation that I should feel any differently or expect anything different. Do you remember when we were working on your self-talk as one of the major ways to create anxiety, which a lot of people don't realize that they actually mm -hmm. are fueling the anxiety by how they talk to themselves. What do you think were your most anxiety triggering thoughts, which a lot of people have, they just don't know it. So what, what would you say are thoughts Ooh. that really made you realize, okay, I'm, I'm doing something to myself. Um, I would say the self judgment, the self, the criticism was the most where I was, um, you know, I would say even verbally abusive to myself in terms of the things I would say to myself, because for me, that was just what I was used to. That was how I motivated myself. That's how my parents talked to us. That's how we talked to them, to each other. So, you know, I, I wasn't even aware that if, if I, I think we talked about too, if I heard someone else using these words to, to talk to, you know, each other, I would think they were, you know, that was out of line, but I found, I didn't think twice about, you know, um, condemning myself or judging myself or, or, or really, um, you know, beating myself up pretty bad. And, and like I said, that was just what I was used to. And I didn't realize how painful it was to constantly be doing that to myself. And what do you think was what you really believed about yourself that caused those thoughts? You know, the core beliefs, what's the core belief that you were kind of holding on to? at the end of the day that I was, um, that I deserved um, a certain amount of pain and suffering, that I had done something to deserve that. And um, that at the end of the day, you know, I wasn't, I didn't deserve anything better. And I guess it was just like a real feeling of inadequacy and, and um, just low self-worth. And that was also self-directed anger then, right? Because a lot of people feel like I have emotions, but they're mainly angry and they're mainly at other people. And then like with you, you realized all those thoughts were not only creating anxiety, they also created a lot of self-rejection, self-loathing laced with anger. I think for me, especially because I was never really an outwardly angry person. So I think all of that all of that pain and anger I directed towards towards myself. Right. Even if someone did something to me, I would find a way to flip it and put it back on myself that I did something or I deserved it or 
you know, somehow caused it to happen. Now, in one of our last sessions, you uh, heard, because I took notes on, and you also, uh, what you were used to, you know, saying to yourself, all these thoughts I was reading to you again. And uh, do you remember what you felt like when you heard now being on the other side, how you talk to yourself? Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it was cringeworthy, man. I wanted to, I wanted to stop you at some point because it just felt like, uh, it was, it was so, um, hearing it coming from you, you know, and, 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 and just hearing what I wrote all those months ago, it, I was almost embarrassed by how disconnected I was to how much I was beating myself up at the time and just the things I was saying to myself. Um, it was, it was painful to listen to. It really was. But did you still find it normal? Because at the beginning you found it totally normal. And no, no, no. I thought it was crazy. That's what I was like. I, 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 I couldn't, I honestly, I couldn't, I blocked out how I, how I felt at that time, because when you were reading it, it sounded like someone else. It, mm. it, um, yeah, I really couldn't believe how, you know, awful some of the things I said about myself and other people were. And that's amazing, right? If we are looking back and not really understanding anymore how we could do this to ourselves, that means we have changed. We have changed a lot. So what do you think were for you the keys to heal and overcome your anxiety? Um, I think the, the, the biggest one was learning that um, I have a choice about the words I use to talk to myself and the ideas that I have about myself. Like I can, um, one of the, the exercises we did was where I would write down, you know, these negative thoughts I had, and then I had to write on the other side, a positive or, or change that into a positive narrative. And that helped me to realize that I was, I was choosing to look at myself in this way. At the end of the day, I had a choice. I could, you know, there's an infinite number of ways I could look at a situation or at a feeling I was having. And, and it was just, I, I just wasn't, um, I wasn't, I wasn't used to thinking positively or thinking productively about myself. So that was really, that was really eye opening. And I think that's what helped me the most. That was certainly a big step to re could say program your mind but i think when you look back there was also this element of having to feel it you know we cannot just think our way out of anxiety i mean this is kind of staying on the surface so when you were able to go back into the past or meet your inner child what's what happened there for you what did you notice how that changed how you perceived yourself that that I would say that was when I first started to really uh, start to forgive myself or or really appreciate that you know what happened to me was really out of my control and out of my power and that it you know as much as I wanted to deny how much it was really painful to look at at times because I really realized how. Um, you know, vulnerable we are as children. 
and how much things affect us when we're that young and that vulnerable. And it also gave me some compassion for myself and for my parents as well, because, you know, they didn't really know what they were doing or they, they you know, they grew up in a similar way. And so. Yeah, and so. So I was really able to to forgive my parents, um, you know, being able to see uh, how how I was raised because they grew up in a similar way. And, um, you know, just helped me to realize they did the best they could based off of how they were raised. And so they, you know, had a lot of the same characteristics I did uh, from growing up that way. And it, 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 yeah, so it just helped me forgive myself, forgive my family and kind of just bring things into perspective and make sense of what's, what's going on today. Do you have a sense that you had to, I mean, you said before you intellectualized a lot and, you know, used more philosoph philosophical uh, perspectives to deal with emotions, but now when you look back, do you think you had to open your heart again or connect to your heart in order for you to heal the anxiety? Yeah, I think, I think that's the only way because, you know, when I was thinking about things or when I was philosophizing, I still had the pain, you know, because uh, that was just my way of escape at the end of the day. It was my way of um, not, feeling, not feeling my heart because, you know, there was a lot of pain blocking. I didn't want to feel my heart because I knew that I would have to feel all that pain um, from before. And just not just pain, but all the emotions. And it was easier to 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 intellectualize or to, or to think about things in the field but um the real you know real change didn't happen until i started to actually feel and go through those emotions and now when you think back at you know where you were and there was you know all this you know maybe self-rejection what do you feel now about yourself what's your belief about yourself i often say that you know, the antidote to anxiety is trust. And for trust to be developed, we have to also see ourselves differently. Do you, do you have a different perspective on yourself? Yeah, I, I see. I don't, it's not a fight anymore to, to try to like prove that I'm this good person or prove that I'm worthy. It's more of just like, I know that internally, you know, I'm all right. And so my actions now come from that place of being comfortable and being secure. I think secure is a good word, you know, being secure with the fact that I'm okay the way I am and any faults or any mistakes that I make are just that, they're just mistakes or faults. And it's, it's not, you know, a reason for condemnation. It's just maybe a reason for reflection, but that at the core, you know, I'm, I'm all right. And, and I have something to offer and something to give. And do you also feel like that this translated in how you take care of yourself? You know, I always believe besides changing how we think and how we feel and how we believe we have to put it into action. We have to do something differently in day to day activities, but also in the bigger picture. And I think you have two really amazing examples where you would say, well, I changed how I took care of myself and I also took risk now with my 
you know, going, not going back to an old job. So what, what is that for you? Well, um, talk about the job first. I just thought about the, you know, the way, what I wanted for myself, you know, I started to value, uh, value my, value my emotional state in my heart and, and really made that a priority. And, 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 you know, I had a chance to go back home and, and to make some money, um, in a very high stress, um, I would say low, emotionally intelligent uh, workspace. And it would, you know, I just, once once I got a taste of how it felt to be um, in tune with myself, it just, it just didn't seem worth it anymore. And um, it motivated me to, to try and really, you know, take care of myself on that level and, and find another way to 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 provide which i'm you know i'm confident that i can do and um yeah and, and and like the better you feel about the self about yourself just you know the the more you take seriously the decisions you make and how they affect you and you see how your um how you feel about yourself also affects other people so that that factored into it as well and i don't want to continue to um hurt others because i'm in pain so you know, that was really a priority for me. And do you feel like you treat yourself more like the adult you want to be and maybe the adult that you wanted to have when you were a child? You know, it's uh, the outgrowing of anxiety to not live in that insecurity, not live in the self-denial, but really treat yourself in the best possible way. Yes, it's almost like I'm, I'm finally just becoming my own my own friend, you know, like I can encourage myself. I can talk to myself in a, like how I would want, like you said, how I would want a parent or a friend to talk to me, which is in a, not in a, you know, not cracking the whip, not judging, not condemning, but just kind of, you know, encouraging like, yeah, we can do this. We've got this, you know, and, um, and it's, it, it's, it's really powerful to have that coming from myself. So I don't need to, um search and and beg for that from other people because i you know i've got it internally what do you think would have happened if you would have not worked on yourself wow wow i think that um i would have you know i would i would have continued out of continued on a downward spiral i think the pain would have gotten worse. And I mean, like I said, most of, a lot of my family members end up going to alcohol or um, overworking or things like that. I think it wouldn't have been good. <laughs> it wouldn't have been good. I think, um, you know, I was lucky that I experienced that pain because it, it woke me up. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's only, you know, there was only one path for me and that was, it wasn't a good one. It was just going to be more pain and more suffering. So it's kind of interesting that the anxiety in some ways was really a catalyst for you to find a greater groundedness and also a greater happiness with yourself. Yeah, the pain was, was I mean, I'm a stubborn, you know, I'm a stubborn guy. I got to, <laughs> it takes a lot for me to wake up sometimes. So, uh, you know, sometimes I think the pain was the only way. And, and, you know, at the time, you know, it was really tough. It was really tough. 
Uh, but looking back, you know, I'm grateful for everything that happened. That's really great. What would you leave the the viewers with this final word of advice? Something that you would say, okay, this is definitely something I would especially recommend men that are dealing with anxiety or insecurity or fear. That it is not just about uh, you. You know that when you're in pain or when you're hurting or when you're not living to your potential, you are um, affecting those around you. And I think that's what changed for me because I think as men, we, we feel we can stomach pain, we can push through pain, we can tolerate misery. And we don't realize that when we come home miserable, it affects our wife and kids. Or if we're resentful, it's affecting our relationships with our friends and it's, it's just holding us down. It's just like a weight we're carrying around for, for no reason. And then once we start to really go into that and get free, you know, we see how everything, everyone around us, everything around us changes because it was us, you know, we're, we're, we're carrying all this weight and we're just dragging everybody down with us. And, and once we, once we allow ourselves to really feel good, I think that's it too. I think a lot of men, we feel guilty or ashamed to ask for help or to even want to feel better. And it's like, you know, there's no, you don't get any medals for being in pain. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're not gonna get a trophy for suffering. Like, like it's, uh, it's, it's painful and it's a lot of work, but I think, you know, the world needs men to, to, to really get healthy and, and, um, and be able to show up for, for the people around them. Beautiful. Thank you very much. I think that's really the truth. And it's so nice for you to share that it is something that can really transform your life. If you are listening to the pain and committing to healing it and finding out where it comes from and taking the tools and ultimately open your heart to yourself, everything is different. And I'm sure that everyone's life that you're touching from now on also will be positively affected by the changes that you have made. Yeah, it's great. I'm looking forward to, to the next chapter. Thank you. 